we go back it's at the events of Ragnarok and Thor just looks down and he sees some strange man and Loki riding this strange <laughs> device across the waters across Asgard. <laughs> and real Loki just real like hot girl summer shit. Bada bum, bada bum, bada 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 bum, bada bum, bada 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 bum, bada bum, bada 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 bum, bada bum bum, bada bum, bada bum, bada 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 bum, bada bum, bada 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 bum, 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 and I am Peyton. As always, my partner in crime. And we are here today, glorious purpose, to discuss episode two of Loki, the variant. I mean, it just gets better and better. I mean, this is still, we talked about this offline, but I mean, this is probably my favorite property so far. I mean, this is, it's just such a, so, so, so exciting. I, I totally agree. Like I'm, I'm loving it. And I know I've been reading online about, you know, like the pacing of the episodes and people were talking about, Oh, there's so much explanation. X, ex, X. Ex, I can't even talk today. There's so much. <laughs> it's Friday. Don't worry about it. We're both sluggish. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much, uh, you know, explanation that they have to get through, which I don't get like, you know, explain time travel to me all day. <laughs> loving it. I, well, I mean, imagine if they had not, like, if, if they didn't explain things. I mean, that I, that was one of the biggest criticisms of Avengers Endgame. I mean, remember, like, go back in time, some people were like, I mean, while it was pretty universally hailed, one of the criticisms of it was, like, the mechanics of the time travel. So now I'm going, well, now they're trying to give you a little more context while not explaining every single thing. Obviously, you could have a little bit of surprises, but now it's too explaining. I, I, I guess as we move forward here, you know, and one of the comments I wanted to make here at the very beginning is that, you know, we've gone into this, like, alien magical realm now, and, like, you just you can't go back <laughs> you know there's no these are like some of the most exciting shows and now that it's they've stepped into like the crazier science fiction of it do you know what i mean like regardless of whether or not toby Maguire ends up being in it or whatever they do with spider-man i'm sure that trailer's getting ready to drop pretty soon but it's like regardless just the idea of the multiverse and the creativity they're already kind of doing with it that makes, it just makes me super excited I love all the rule telling because for me, it's building this universe with very set rules. Like if you want to watch a movie or a TV show where things don't matter, like go watch Fast and the Furious. Like Because for sure, for sure. when you see Vin Diesel like swinging from a rope, like in a car, you're like, okay, rules don't matter. They can do whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not digging too much into those movies, but like, you know, this universe that they built, there are rules for a reason. You know, they, they set up rules because they don't want to just go, Oh, he, he time traveled. Like we can undo this. We can do this. It's like those rules that make each story and, and plot like interesting because they're, they're confined. And then when you create those, you know, the rules that confine you, then that's when you have interesting ways to like break them and you can go around them, but you do need them in, you know, set in place in the very beginning. Of course. I completely, completely agree with that. It's like, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see why when in a new series, 
that I, I think they they've done a really good job in this show too, and as well as Wandavision, that they've given you expositional things, sometimes often within character beats. You know, yes. like in the first episode, like when Loki, you know, watches through the flashback or the you know the flash forwards of his life, like it's answering to us. How does Loki learn about all the things that happened post Avengers one, which is like, I mean, he goes on such a crazy journey and becomes in such a different place, you know, like, and then in the meantime, you know, Tom Hiddleston is like nailing it. And it's like an actual character moment too, because the care we see the actual character deal with that kind of catharsis too. So I, I, I agree with you, you know, it's like when you set up the rules, it, it, it gives you kind of like, it gives stakes. I mean, it gives stakes to it as opposed to, like you said, like, well, yeah, they're just going to flip the car around and fly it through space and nail the jump. And it's going to be like, perfect. You know what I mean? And that's just what it's going to be. And I know that's going to be the same thing with Marvel. Everything's going to kind of work out, but like the journey you go on and the character, like the character progression and what the character and the person go through. I just still think it's kind of unparalleled. So in this kind of like high level entertainment, uh, yeah, it's a. I, they're doing an amazing job. I'm still, still so impressed. All these movies and properties later, and then now to just like introduce time travel, which you know when you look back at those early movies, it's you know just Tony building a suit, and you know he wants to help people, and now we're getting intergalactic, multiversal time agent, you know, time cops, aliens, and, right, right, and you're just like, oh my god, it still works. You know, I remember, do you, do you remember the summer that Iron Man and, and Hulk came out? You know, we, we were in college, <laughs> you know, it, it was just like, oh my God, dude, they're going to make an Iron Man movie and then they're going to make a Hulk movie and like, they're going to be like technically together. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just, like you said, it, look how far that we've come. And now we're over here going like, well, if this person comes from this dimension, that means they can jump over here and they can time hop over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's truly kind of staggering and and then going back to my comment a second ago about like you know not looking back I, I do think that kind of uh i don't want to say hurts but it does make and i think we've seen this in like falcon and winter soldier like i don't know maybe this is my personal preference too you know i mean i'm a big cat person and i actually i mean i really love anthony mackie as sam even though he's had some problematic comments this week um <laughs> uh but uh I guess those more kind of grounded heroes, I don't want to say they're getting left in the dust, but like they're kind of getting left in the dust. <laughs> I mean, just, just a little bit, like at least in terms of my interest, because like maybe it's because we got so much of that kind of like straight leg, like, you know, Cap and Tony are very like, you know, J-Sock guys, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> what Tony says. He's like, we're a couple of J-Sock guys with no like, gumption or whatever. You know, they're just like kind of like, regular dudes and like you said now we're getting into all these crazier beings that are interesting and now i'm kind of more interested in, in them and their humanity than necessarily humans and their humanity. <laughs> i'm so excited for uh the you know the reviews have come out about black widow since our last episode and i can't remember if we talked about black widow and how you know, like you said, like being kind of being left in the dust, these more grounded characters, because yeah, I mean, a that movie was, was supposed to come out a year ago, right. um, but the reviews are are great. You know, they're praising the action sequences, and I'm just so glad that you know in this 
world that they've created where there's mischievous gods time traveling and you know witches creating sitcom worlds for themselves to live in that you know oh a spy thriller can like still hold its own yeah yeah i i agree and you know and I, I, we were talking about that offline tune about the positive reactions so far and that you know i think it's going to be cool again you have to kind of i'm not like retroactively giving it credit but you know you it was supposed to come out in a different time. And I think it is just a, what I've read about the movie too. I'm specifically commenting about this is that most of the first kind of like almost two thirds of the movie is very drama heavy, which I'm like, yes, yes, please. Yes. Like we're at the point now where like, yeah, but I know we're always going to get to the powers and the powers are important and that kind of stuff. But like, I, I'm, I think we're all at the point now where like, we have to be invested in these people we have to see them have struggle. We have to see them just be people and to then triumph over that, which is like the corny superhero thing. But that's still a resonant theme. You know what I mean? That's kind of the purpose of all of it. So I, I don't know. I, I just really think that it's particularly with Loki and Wanda. They've stepped into this new realm that is so exciting and they've done it so well and so in a surprising, fun way that I just, uh, you know, we're just, we're just going to be gushing over here for the next 40 minutes or so. <laughs> I, I am absolutely in love with Loki. I am along for the ride, but God, I miss those WandaVision days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I a... still get the same, I still get the same like magical mystery Eve in the morning. Like I'm up at six with my little coffee and I'm like, you know, texting you before you're even up. And then I, you're like, dude, it's seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. I can't wait. <laughs> it's 7 a.m. I've watched it three times. Sorry. <laughs> well, they also came out and said uh, just recently that, you know, all of the shows since, you know, Loki's been the most successful premiere. You know, I th- also think you've got to give a little bit of credit to WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I do think the direct success and enjoyment of both of those properties led to people being like, well, hell yeah, what's this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something new. Let me check this out. Love Tom Hiddleston. They're going to have a whole show about him. Sure. Let's see what's happening. You know, so I, I I definitely think like I actually think they're going to continue you know these shows are I'm not saying every single one is going to top and break it but I do think every one of these is going to have a a huge opening and Disney plus I mean you could argue they've been around for a while now but they still feel kind of like the new kid on the block so I'm sure they're like still gaining followers uh, or subscribers you know there's people who are still hanging on to maybe some of their other streaming services. Uh, I read an article with Kevin Feige about two days ago, and he talked about how he doesn't know even they don't even really it's so new to them that they don't even know how to define success with like the shows. He's like with the films, like literally, frankly, just there's a bottom line, you know, with the shows, it's harder because it's a subscription thing. And then it's also it is it's a viewership thing. And then it's also like how they release TV ratings. And then on top of it, it's like social media buzz. And he, he even said, like, we're learning from the responses to the shows, which I think is so awesome. I'm so he's what a, what a, I mean, I, I could just praise him all day, you know, and he they just featured him in the X-Men comic. And it's like what a cool person to work for, because that person is always able and wanting to do new things that are exciting and fresh and go in different kind of wild and crazy directions while like supporting new artists, visions, voices and talents. So I, I just um yeah Feige's the man I mean the older I get and the more like the deeper I get into you know my my 
day job. I, I, I work for like an, a graphic design agency and we have, you know, clients that are sort of big level corporations. And the more I get in that world, just the more I understand the difficulty in like wrangling in people and ideas and like, honestly, the, this kind of like designed by committee to put a, a really good product out there is extremely difficult and so I just have like the utmost respect for Kevin Feige and what he's been able to do with like building this universe and, you know, keeping it the quality it has. I mean, you can make, you know, you could say, oh, Inhumans and Thor 2, whatever, like not the, even though I, I think Thor 2 is still amazingly better than Inhumans. It's still like you look at the vastness of all the things they've made so far and it is consistently like amazing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just so impressive fun engaging and thrilling and and now that they're stepping into these shows i mean like i said they've really kind of upped the ante in that that it's they just changed the game again in a way you know they've changed what they can do and how they connect to all this stuff so i can't wait to see moving forward what they're going to do and they've got a bunch of new talent and new shows and like bigger stars also that are going to be in things that they're like really suited for like you know i think oscar isaac is the first person immediately i'm like wow that's i'm just excited about that show just because it's him like you know what i mean and that seeing him do ethan, it, ethan yeah Hall. oh yeah i mean my god i love him that's just like a bonus do you know what i mean they're picking and even it's funny that ethan hawk he going back to all this like ethan hawk was a person who i've known i've read before in the past that he's never been interested in this kind of stuff but now these actors are like I mean, it's a pretty good, pretty good gig, and you know what? People love it, and it's like they're pretty awesome. Like, it's a pretty fun thing to do. Like, maybe we're still holding out hope that Feige can convince Daniel Day Lewis to play uh, Doctor Doom. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like that would be amazing. I at first, I I used to think Benedict Cumberbatch was like you know the big grab for Marvel. Like, oh, of course he's Doctor Strange. Like, you know. So few other people could be that, but you know, if they got Daniel Day Lewis for Doom, fuck. Daniel, I mean, think, Daniel I mean, they're, 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 just think. I mean, they're already like they're, they're, there's tons of characters still that they haven't even announced or even talked about. That are, you know, I mean, the X Men, of course. I mean, you know, obviously the X Men are the first ones that come to mind, but there's still tons of bigger Marvel characters that they haven't even used. That I mean, like just Dracula alone. Like I mean, I mean, literally, pretty much the entire X Men cast. Obviously, Fantastic Four. You know. It's pretty much the unkept secret that, you know, Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil, but there still has never been like an official announcement. So we don't have we don't have a Daredevil. You know what I mean? There's like so many big ones that are still like up for grabs that it kind it kind of blows my mind. Charlie Cox is actually playing Ralph Boner's dad. <laughs> if they do that Ralph... again, I'm done. I'm done. Charlie I'm done. Cox is Ralph Ralph Boner Ralph Boner Senior. I actually think, you know, you and I talk about this in this multiverse situation that can answer the question of, like, why people look differently. You know, I think, you know, Evan Peters in one universe, he could look like Quicksilver. and this other one, he just is not. And, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson does. You know what I mean? I think that's a very easy explanation. If they wanted to use some of the exit people, we're getting off a tangent on here. We need to jump back yeah. to the focus. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny you say that because to kind of, like, wrangle it back into Loki, you know, we do see that uh, this is kind of jumping a little ahead in the episode, but when Mobius is talking about all the variant Lokis, you know, he takes on like different appearances. I mean, that kind of ties into the, the, the same thing too. Like, you know, you could have like these variants that look different from everyday people. That's why like Tobey Maguire and, 
Uh, oh my God, what is his name? Andrew Garfield. Tom. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> too many Tom naming Spider-Man characters. There are too many British Toms in the MCU. <laughs> too many British Toms that play <laughs> Spider-Man. But yeah, I think it'll be that same same thing. Like you know, there's different timelines and universes, and these characters like they all have an essence, but they all look differently. Yeah. Yeah. And then just some, just that's just as easy. Sometimes they just, it, it's almost like the person is always there, but they can look differently in different dimensions. Like there mm-hmm. will always be a Wolverine, but in this world, he looked like Hugh Jackman. And in this world, he looks like whoever. Which, which, who would you, who would you choose? Oh, wow. We're getting into like, we're getting into multiverse difference. Bruce Lanch. <laughs> we can't be getting into that. So we got to be focused on, we got to be focused on Loki. You're right. How You're cool, right. You're right. How cool was it though, with the holographic images was seeing all the different variants, like seeing the one where he was like the frost giant version King. Oh, tour then, the tour de France Loki. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And then like the fucking epic, like Viking one with the big, like bone, mm-hmm. bone skull. And then there was like, the Hulk looking version one like uh, that was just they, they threw so many and we'll get back we'll, into the time bomb later we'll get into that too about all the different kind of things that that affected but like they'll throw these things out in this show like so casually you know what I mean that that sequence lasted like maybe 15 seconds and it was like oh here's like 20 different versions of Loki fan fan service fan service <laughs> <laughs> oh I know I had to pause it uh I was sitting on my couch which is a, a little bit of ways away from my tv and I had to pause it and then I like got on my hands and knees crawled up to the tv got my phone and was like capturing uh every you know screenshot of each variant Loki and then of course five seconds later you text me a link to an article that had already done all that for me. <laughs> I'm here for you, brother. I know. <laughs> I'm my, I am uh, Charles Xavier. They're going to cast James McAvoy. Look, I'm right here. <laughs> my bald powers. I'm transferring you. I, I can read what you're needing and I'm sending it to you. <laughs> Don't mess with bald people. They're always the strongest in the comics. <laughs> you know, uh, unless it's Jean Grey. <laughs> you know, Jean Grey is like the queen. <laughs> oh, that's true. And Storm. <laughs> Jean and Storm, queens. <laughs> um, <laughs> both Omegas, hello. Um, you know, I, I do want to comment. I actually thought the first five minutes of the opening sequence is terrible. <laughs> I have to say, I really like this episode, even though it was kind of uneven, like pacing wise, it just was kind of like kind of all over the place. Uh, but I, that first sequence, I was like, wah, wah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of felt similar. I It had a lot of good moments. You know, it took place in 1985, which I assume is the a reference to Back to the Future, uh, which that movie took place. They were playing off the idea of like, oh, it's set in 1985, but it looks like it's you know, centuries earlier, you had the woman who, you know, somewhat resembled Agatha Harkness. And I remember when the the music starts playing, it's, you know, like, I need a hero. I was all excited. And the fight scene happens. I'm like, "Mm, that's a little underwhelming. Yeah, the fight scene was a little little trash. Uh, Yeah, I actually looked this up. Here you go. Uh, um, The opening scene takes place in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And it's actually a heartwarming tribute to... uh, Marvel's Mark Gruenwald, a long-serving and widely respected writer and editor who was basically the design for Mobius Mobius in the comics. Uh, He actually created U.S. Agent and Crossbones 
and he was born in Oshkosh. So I think that was a that, that that's one of the reasons, just to kind of like Marvel nerdness. I thought that was really cool. I wanted to make that make sure that was like kind of mentioned because I didn't know that. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I love when they do that because because sometimes you know we can sit here and go like, well, why did they put it in Oshkosh, Wisconsin? Let's go through these like seventeen different points of why we think that. And it really is just because like of like a producer or a writer or like a really respected person behind the scene like Easter egg for them. Yeah, and I, I love those moments because you're right. Like we can read into it, but there's nothing really deeper than, well, you know, this scene had to take place in an alternate time, and without, you know, you don't want it to overshadow the main story. So yeah, you just make it a little Easter egg, like mm-hmm. a little, little nod to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can just get over that first part. That first part is like the only real kind of point. Important thing was that she grabbed one of the agents and and took them uh, took them with her. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember if that's seen or maybe it's later on in the episode, but we do get uh, uh, at some point in this episode a good close in of the. Uh, do you do you know if they have the the names the reset charges? I guess you'd call them. Um, it does what? look like I don't know about you, but the the energy that's inside them looks very similar to quantum energy to me. Yes, and you know, you you had sent me the article where the shovel in the first episode at the end that it the shovel that the person had was a quantum shovel. So you know, we had theorized that like that there's some sort of technology, and that also that technology says aim on it that that aim creates something that not unlike what they you know Scott and Hope and uh, Hank and Janet are doing at the end of Ant Man two before you know the snap happens. That they're extracting, they're extracting energy from the quantum realm. Uh, I mean, that could have even been in terms of like a timeline thing. That could have been how it got to that point. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Hank and Janet and theirs, you know, research into it led to whatever you know aim. You do you see what I'm saying? Like there, there could be a connection there, but it does seem like they're harnessing energy from it, and that is what is powering the bombs. I think the quantum realm is going to be huge moving forward. Um, you know, not just in giving superheroes powers, but, you know, especially in Endgame, uh, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania is coming up. Uh, it's it's going to be huge. So I feel like all these properties, they're going to allude to it, you know, little by little here and there. And maybe it'll even feature more prominently later on in the season. Uh, there, I read some theory that, you know, it it could be the place that, you know, Female Loki, spoiler coming ahead, uh, is setting off those reset charges, you know, maybe sets them off in the quantum realm, like trying Mm. to basically eliminate time travel for everyone across all time. Which makes sense. I I actually kind of like that because in a way that they're answering the question with the Infinity Stones, like, okay, so you beat the person who gets them together. Well, then what do you do with them after? Because then there's just going to be a new person who goes to the Infinity Stones. So like, you've got to find a way to kind of write that out of existence. So I actually kind of like that if that is ultimately what it is. I also read a rumor, too, that I actually could see, too, that the city that's featured in Ant-Man in the little Easter egg in the background is the TVA. Oh, I could see that. Do you know what I mean? And that that is where, however, you know, we can get into this because you and I have both of our theories about Ravenna and what's really happening here. Um, uh, but I, it could be one of any number of all those things, but I completely agree with you that the quantum realm is going to be absolutely crucial moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't know how they'll do it, but uh, I'm, I'm fully expecting that. The little things like the shovel, you never know if it's just like, 
something to pique your interest or like, you know, maybe wait something shiny to distract you, but like maybe it never comes up again. Or it could just be like incredible, like, you know, incredible set design and, and, you know, like very specific detail to like, you know, the accuracy of everything. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, I I can also see a little bit being a little bit of that too. Um, So we just, we just mentioned you and I as well too, the like, what's going on in this episode. And I think that even though, you know, especially we talked about it being uh, a, a, a quote exposition, more heavy episode. The funny thing about it is, is I actually think that the fact that they are explaining all these things, that is the exact opposite of what that is happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're being told so much and almost in a like, don't ask too many questions. This is just what it is like that. that it, it's almost at the point now where it's like so much that it, it's like, okay, when is the rug pull going to happen? And what the hell is going on here? <laughs> because it's not just like, we're trying to save the timeline. What does Loki say? Uh, he says, expect the expected. So, I mean, I, uh, what a show led by, you know, a trickster, the god of mischief. Like, I, I feel like already uh, I'm going to jump right to the end of the episode here and then we can come back. Um, But, you know, I feel like the I was expecting it to build up to that moment where the reset charges are detonated. And, you know, here we are in episode two of six and it's already happening. Yeah. So so now I I think this this next episode episode is going to be very Loki and uh, I I even hesitate to say Lady Loki because I'm not a hundred percent convinced that that's who that was at the end. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's do it this way. Let, let's frame it this way because I think the very end kind of onions back, and then we can type talk about the things from the beginning of the episode at the end. I, I agree with you here that first off, we are we are, it is revealed to us in this episode who the Loki that we're chasing that Mobius and Loki have been chasing is, and that it is, like you said, quote, um, a different Loki, seemingly a different Loki, who is a female, um, which obviously if you're a comics uh, fan, you know that Loki has been a female for a long time. And that's just, not only is that, but it's a very Norse thing as well. I mean, Loki gave birth to like a wolf. Do you know what I mean? Like he, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like uh, is just as their craziness with like, you know, the Greek stories, just there's craziness there. There are times where he is, he's a shapeshifter in all capacities. So it's the exact same function here. So it could be a different alternate reality version of Loki, but, uh, tell me what tell me what you think here because you had a great theory that we talked about offline and i just have been waiting and dying for you to kind of get this on recording if you will because i completely agree with a whole bunch of it and i think that we can focus on uh some of the things that happen in this episode of why we're why we think we're regardless of what happens that we're this is where they're going okay i'm so glad we're jumping into this now because i feel like it's going to take me until the end of the episode to explain it all Um, but first of all, I think the the name of the episode itself, the variant, I think it's intentionally vague. Uh, I think the the woman at the end, she is a variant. Like maybe she's the variant that is that the episode title is referring to. But I don't necessarily think she's Loki. I think there's a good chance she could be a, a form of enchantress. I'm not exactly quite sure how they they would play that up, but we do see a scene. Um, 
where Tom Hiddleston's Loki, you know, calls her Loki and she, you know, she scoffs at it. She's like, uh, like, don't say that name. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to think either she's, I think she very well could be a Loki, but I'm not, I'm just not sold on that idea. Uh, Maybe she's like, she's enchantress and maybe she always feels like throughout her life, she's always like behind Loki or she's big things that, you know, gets attributed to Loki. And so that's why she kind of scoffs at his name and is so just like, oh, like everyone praises Loki for being this big god of mischief when really like I'm the one who's done half the shit that he's known for. Um, But I think so we do see earlier in the episode, there, there's a, a long process where Loki is trying to uh, come up with, they're trying to track down where this variant is. And he eventually comes to the conclusion that they can hide in apocalypses due to the fact that everything and everything around them is, uh, will at some point, you know, like be destroyed. So you can go back in time, interact with your surroundings and it not affect the timeline. And in that conversation, he, he uses Ragnarok as an example, um, which we've, even though this is in that, oh God, time travel is so confusing. Even though it's in this Loki's future, which he has already seen on the tape, it is in our past. So I, as he's explaining how to hide in apocalypses, he says, well, I could, you know, go back to Ragnarok. Uh, per se I could push Hulk off the Bifrost bridge I could set the palace on fire and I think he's just using these examples but I think that's a a form form of storytelling where he's literally telling us what's going to happen Yes, and so I think using time travel uh, he is going to go back to that moment in Ragnarok like right before the battle and he is going to switch places with himself. And so the Loki that we see in an Infinity War, I believe, is our, the TVA Loki that we're watching. Or Endgame. Or, yeah, Infinity War, right, when he dies, right. Right. And, I agree. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, you, you said that that kind of completely recontextualizes the way you watch that scene in Infinity War where he dies without losing any of its weight. Yeah. Um, we see him, you know, he's he's about to take on Thanos. And sure, you could take that as like, oh, he's just like scared of what he's about to do or, you know, he knows that his chances are he's about to die. But I, looking back on that scene now, if you go back and watch it, to me, it, it almost, it's him knowing that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And yep. a, a big thing of this show is Loki, you know, like, is there freedom of choice? Do you, can you go back and change things? Do you accept your fate? And I think that to, throughout the process of this show, will Loki come to accept that that is his role in the timeline, not like submitting to the timekeepers, but just accepting that, you know, that that's what he needs to do. You know, he's a variant. Maybe he can't just like pop back into the timeline because it screws everything up. But he can go back and save himself and make the sacrifice to be a hero at the same time. So it's yeah, just it's like fate like, and choice are the same thing. Yeah, it's just this huge like win, 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 win. But like no one knows about it. Yes, I, I think you're right on the money here as well too. I, I think as well too that are we going to talk about 
do you want to talk about what was kind of revealed with the credits thing? Do we want to talk about that here? Because it's still a little bit of speculation. It does get into spoiler territory, but I do think that that does, you know, with with regarding Lady Loki. Can I mention that? Is that okay? Yeah, you might be. Uh, I'll I'll let you take that. <laughs> so it was revealed after the episode that one of the translations of the foreign language of the version of the Disney Plus is that in the credits, uh, Lady Loki's character Sofia DiMartino is listed as the variant which we could assume would be the name of the episode that's how it's listed i believe it was maybe the spanish translation um it translated to the name sylvie which of course led the internet to kind of go crazy and that's how everyone got to this enchantress idea and if you do a little bit more digging into the the history of um uh uh of Enchantress, she's actually the sister of Amora, who is the basically the the Enchantress everyone knows. She's the younger sister of Amora. Um, but there is a point where in the comics, um, Loki essentially gives her powers, and he kind of basically gives her his own powers in a way. Um, and I definitely think that that's going to be tied into not only your idea of like future Loki and present Loki working at the same goal. We don't realize it, you know, with the jumping, I think my opinion with Sylvie is that with the apocalypses, we find out on this episode that Ragnarok is a fixed time point that Ragnarok is going to happen regardless. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Sylvie, whether she initially was like, mentally manipulated by Loki or they made some sort of agreement or whatever. Like you said, maybe she was also a sorceress from Asgard. I think she's from Asgard. And I think that she is a survivor of the fall of Asgard. And I think that she is trying to, I I don't know the specifics of how she's trying to break open the multiverse to maybe create a timeline where Asgard is not destroyed, that she can jump back to live. But I think that that is involved with it, that she's trying to do something to truly save the like main version of Asgard from being destroyed. So I think that's what we, what we see in the the apocalypse thing is going to continue to happen because we know in the credits that he goes back to like the New York when it's all torn up after it, it happens. Like they go to Vormir when it's like an apocalyptic moment. So I think there's going to be like it's just going to keep climaxing this way and they're going to keep jumping to these different moments. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there. I I totally think you're right. The the translation thing, like, yeah, it threw everyone off. Um, I whether it's I true or not, who knows? But I think your comment about the thing where he says, "Oh, Loki," and like the specific line, "Ugh, don't call me that." I don't think that. I think Sylvie's masquerade or maybe framing Loki for it, uh, if it is her. But I don't think it is like what we know as is like Lady Loki, like you explained, where it is our Loki just in a new form of himself. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure how they're going to pull it off. I, I feel like um, I'm totally OK with it not being an enchantress, but that's just what my gut tells me. And um, but I think it'll be a, a slightly new version, like, a, you know, they'll combine different stories to create this new enchantress that exists in this universe but i i do believe you're you're right like i don't think she's this i mean she's killing people left and right but i don't think her ultimate goal is to like maybe destroy things or at least it'll it's like 
okay, I'm, she's trying to save something by destroying everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to get a lot more explanation in this episode. You know, we see Loki chase after her through the time door. And, you know, Mobius, he, he gets frustrated and he probably thinks like, oh, of course, Loki, like, ran off. But I, I think we'll see that, like, this is sort of the moment where that Loki changes. You know, he's he ran after her not to assist her with whatever her ultimate plan is, but, like, he just wants to talk. He wants to find out what the plan is. And then that's when he'll make the choice to to go against her in some way. I loved it. I loved that scene with the turn and, you know, when she had the people possessed and then he caught on and he got it. He went, oh, it was almost like Loki going, oh, this is what this is like. Okay, okay. Oh, very clever, clever. But I, I see you. I, I see who you are now. I see what's going on. Um, and <laughs> I think even with you, too, that, that you mentioned earlier in the season, I think you're right, too, and they mentioned in this episode that that moment when uh, Casey – it runs into the agent after he like screws her up with the teleporter thing that that is actually Loki that he, he changed himself there. Um, and it's like, it's one of those things when you start introducing these shape shifter characters, like whenever the hell they're going to bring mystique in, you know, that's how they're going to bring mystique in the MCU. It's going to be somebody you thought was somebody else. And the mystique's like, Hey bitch, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> that exact same thing where it's like, God, Oh, this person I thought was this one person, but it's not that person. <laughs> Scrolls, baby. Scrolls, energy. I know we're gonna have now. We got shapeshifters all over the damn place. We got magical ones. We got mutant ones. We got alien ones. Who the hell is whoever? What if it's like the thing with like you know the Family Guy thing where it turns into the horse and the broom and it's like I'm a scroll. No, really, I'm Mystique. (laughs) I'm Mystique as a scroll. (laughs) I love it. Face. Okay. Well, we then. We have to talk about what is going on with the TVA because we have to talk about the scene with Ravenna. And then I also want to talk about the scene where Mobius talks about the jet ski and their whole kind of argument back and forth with Mobius where Loki's like, every time I start to think that you're a smart person, you say something that just completely erases that <laughs> when he, you know, he, he kind of says that. So let's talk about that for just a little bit. Well, we got confirmation in this episode that, um, Mobius has never met the timekeepers. Um, I feel like they're they're coming. Like we'll get to that moment where it, I think we'll get them. It won't just be like where are the timekeepers, where are the timekeepers, where are they? And then it's revealed like oh they never existed. Like I think there could be a moment you know where Dorothy goes to see the wizard and you know there's the giant talking head and the flames and I think we could get that moment where it's like oh there's the timekeepers and then it's later revealed like oh that that's you know a facade it's all fake um but yeah it's confirmed Mobius has never met them um we do find out from one of the time cops in one of the scenes that they I call I keep calling time cops I know that's not what they are but um one of them reveal says that they revealed to Lady Loki. I'll just call her that. That uh, she revealed where the the timekeepers are. So we know that, uh, you know, Lady Loki's going to pursue that. But I, I don't know about you, but I get the feeling that it's all Kang. There's no three timekeepers. It's literally just Kang at the top, and Ravana preserves his secret or he's like fooling her or something um 
but yeah, it, it's only King. I, I agree, and we we see that you know they someone comment someone asked Jonathan Majors about it, and his funny comment was, uh, uh, "Never heard of it, but no, no, don't know what the, don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> he just gave like that energy, and it goes back to so in my opinion too, we find out a lot in this that like nobody knows what the hell was going on. Like Loki keeps challenging Mobius about like, well, how did you get here? You just were born here. You were made here. Like, what, what? You just, you just, how long? How long have you been doing this? What? Who? Who? You, you never met them. And then so that kind of pushes Mobius to go to have that meeting with Ravenna. And I, how do you say? Is it Ravenna or Ravana? I think it's Ravana. I've heard it Ravona. Ravona, Ravona. Well, we know who we're talking about. Uh, Gugu and Bathara. I'm gonna say her name instead. Um, you know, we they we find that that scene with them and that statue obviously in the background behind her desk is like straight up Kang. I mean, my God, it looks just like him. I mean, it literally is like the exact, <laughs> just a statue of Kang. I mean, there's just no, it just, it just literally looks exactly like him. And that's also one of the aliens that we see. And I, I, I think the big rug pull here is that and you and I talked about this offline, whether I, I personally think that, Either they are variants, everybody that is populated in the TVA are variants that have like had their mind wiped and are now agents of this and they carry out the function of the TVA. Because I think that goes back to Mobius's jet ski uh, idea, which he also, uh, which that's also what Loki is looking at in the magazine about the jet ski. So it's like, could that be a memory that uh, Mobius had? in his real life before he became a variant that is breaking through his consciousness that he wants. Or I also had this theory as well too, that this is the, this, this is going to be a little bit crazy, but go with me here that this is Ravenna's. The TVA is actually Ravenna's kingdom from the far future. And that everyone in it is either a robot that go that going back to the, everybody like how would a robot not know that it was a robot? I still think that that's going to be something that's going to be like an AI reveal, like, oh, I didn't know that I was, you know, it's like the, you know, Haley Joe Osment. I thought I was real, a Pinocchio moment. Like, I thought I was a real boy. And I think it's going to be Mobius, too, whether it's a reveal that he is a robot or that he is uh, a person, was a person that's had his, like, mind altered, that that is, there's going to be a big rug pull in that way. And that the authority here is really super scary and not just, like, these benevolent people who were trying to do right by the cosmic universe oh every step along the way you see the tva agents you know you know oh you don't have your ticket boom wipe from existence i mean my god Mm -hmm. we also never find out uh what happens to variants who stand trial and are found not guilty it's my assumption um 99.99% uh, you know, are found guilty and then uh, erased or reset immediately. But what happens, you know, if there was a chance that someone is found not guilty, no, no matter how rare it happens, what happens? Like, they're not just going to, the timeline, the branch timeline that they came from is gone. They can't just let that variant back into the timeline. So I think the compromise is you're even, you're either given wipe from existence or you can join the tba yes perfect perfection i completely agree and i think it's like a a future you know i could see you know renslayer being like kang has her family or something enslaved 
and he makes her enforce these laws that he has created for whatever his purposes are for control of the timeline, of the control mm-hmm. of the entire timeline. Maybe we'll get a flashback. Uh, you know, maybe Mobius was. Uh, we also find out that almost uh, every variant doesn't even know that they're changing the course of time. So maybe we'll get this flashback where Mobius, you know, he's he's at the beach. He's like a little kid. He's about to ride a jet ski. And then suddenly he steps on a butterfly or something. And then, boom, TVA shows up. You know, you're a variant. You're coming with us. And, like, he never got that chance to ride a jet ski. So he, like, was a real person. They took, you know, he he was a, became a variant, altered the course of time. They arrested him. And, you know, given the choice between non-existing or helping the TVA, he chooses to help the TVA. But he's just all jet ski. Yes. And... Yeah. He's like his human memories are pushing through the like. Yes. I, I love that. I love that. Or they take the memories from the people. And I still think that robot situation is going to happen. Like, you know, they implant the like memory and it's like this, you know, Android's dream of electric sheep kind of thing. Like, I do think it's more rich if it's human, but I agree with you right there. I, I looked up, I was looking up here the analysis of that scene, and it says actually, specifically, Mobius tells Renslayer that he's glad to have never met the Timekeepers, and then he begins, that one looks like he, and he's talking about the Kang statue, and then he gets cut off by something else. So again, it's like, and then if you go to the, oh, we didn't even talk about Miss Minutes. Miss Minutes in the beginning with him and Loki, when he asks, he asks her, are you real or a program? And she says, well, a little bit of both. Can you do it in a little bit? Well, a little bit of both. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we just a little bit of both, sugar. <laughs> so, I, you know, even with that, it's like. Is it something crazy where they like take the consciousnesses of everybody and put them into the eye? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is going on? The Miss Minutes thing, I kind of took that as uh, did you ever see the Blink episode of Doctor Who? Uh, w- elaborate. It, it was the with the Weeping Angels. Well, anyway, in the uh, I'll, I'll try to condense this in the episode, the doctor gets stuck, um, you know, sort of out of out of time or like he's in the I can't remember if he's in the past or future, but he's without his TARDIS, so he can't travel. Um, And you find out at the end of the episode, he gives himself like documents and notes of events. So uh, I think it's in the past. He records the conversation that he gives himself. And then years later, this girl finds this videotape and she plays it. And when she's talking to the tape, she's like, can you hear me? He's like, like, of course I can hear you. Or it's like they're having a conversation, even though it's all pre-recorded. Yep. So so the TVA, you know, like owning all of time. I took that as Miss Minutes. Like she was, she already knew that Loki was going to like, you know, swat at her kind of thing. So she just knows to jump. But she is kind of this like pre-recorded thing. I also think she could be uh, a variant herself, you know, from some kind of 3D animated dimension. Who knows? That would be kind of cool to, like, have Miss Minute spin around and you just see a big glowing variant logo on her back. Oh, wow, wow. That would be cool. That would be fucking cool. Yes, yes. Ugh. We do. So we also know now that with 
uh, like infinity stones or they do take some evidence from, uh, you know, when they apprehend variants, uh, the, the one TVA cop took the Tesseract. Urvana has, you know, an entire office full of sort of I, objects from out of time. So I think in the end, Loki could uh, maybe create a branch timeline and then take a jet ski from that timeline back to the TVA, clip that branch timeline. He's like, here, Mobius, here's your jet ski. I love it. I love it. Oh, brother. Okay. I'm going to blow your mind here. I, I, I'm looking at this while we're having our conversation too. So the, cause I wanted to make, I wanted to look, I was trying to look at the actress's name for the librarian. Cause I love the like monsters Inc kind of receptionist <laughs> that sh- situation where she was like, here, here's the files. One of the, I just read this. Someone eagle eyed found this going back to what we just talked about is that one of the files Loki is looking at when he's flipping through the papers, it says Sylvie Laffy Dottier. Mm. So um, it's like a, it's like a, in Norse situations, male children adopt a last name, combining their father's name with son and female children use Dottier. Oh, could it be a brother, sister kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be Loki's true sister. You know, she could be uh, that. That is crazy. That's crazy. But that's literally the file. I'm looking at the picture of it from the scene when he's looking through the files before he flips, and it says it right there. So that the fact that she thing. does say that thing where she says, you know, I can almost see her like masquerading as an Asgardian purposely. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost mm-hmm. like. She purposely is blaming him for this. For she is the, maybe she's the daughter of Loki, but because Loki was the son and he was taken, she was never good enough. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it could be could be many and, and you know uh, tons of those kind of situations. Um, maybe but, she's bitter towards Loki because she's like, "You got out. Like I had to grow up in you know Jotunheim. Like yes. right after you destroyed the motherfucker. <laughs> like yes, yes. So." Because doesn't he he does uh, at the end of Thor one open the Bifrost to Jotunheim and he keeps it open and it does start to destroy it right yes yes so I mean that could be it she's like hey you got out you were like hanging out on Asgard you know just drinking your wine and and then suddenly you shoot a giant space laser at my frozen home planet like fuck and you know Luffy died you know Luffy died in Thor one so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were both, uh, you know, sort of without their children, without their their fathers. Mm-hmm. And it could have turned her into a more like, again, it's like the choice versus fate thing, which, again, you know, I, the fact that you mentioned the thing about Lucky switching him, switching places with the variants. I love that idea, not only because I think it just makes everything uh, what, all the things that we talked about. But here's the thing as well. In this episode, too. Uh, Mobius tells Loki that you stabbed like 50, he's like, I've literally seen you stab people in the back like 50 times. That's what you do. You stab people in the back. And I, I just, the fact that you said that, what does he try to do with Thanos? He tries to stab him right in front of him. 
and it's mm-hmm. like that that I mean that it get is it it is it's going to completely recontextualize the end game moment and make it even better in a way because it's still going to be Loki doing the exact same thing but just because it's almost like Doctor Strange when they go back to end game just because he knows it's happening it's like when he looks at Tony he's like I know this is going to suck bro but this is it <laughs> you know what I mean like it's that situation where it's like the person who knows about it like that is the sacrifice and that is the like why you love them so much Mm-hmm. And I think you're so on point with that as well, too. And then when the show's over, boom, look who's still alive. OG Loki, <laughs> you know, in whatever form that he may be in. Maybe he tries to maybe hopefully at the end, maybe he can maybe he can turn Sylvie back towards him. You know what I mean? Maybe he can. I feel like this is something they do with characters like so Loki, he's always been the bad guy and they're going to have. A moment where they try to you know not just change him but like make him at least look like the good guy and so i think her what her character is maybe holding that mirror up to loki it's like oh you think you're bad like no this is what bad actually looks like exactly exactly um, Completely i actually agree. just had a, a thought i feel like there's <laughs> i'm almost equally as interested in mobius as i am in loki at this point mm-hmm. um but so in the first episode, we see him drinking, um, was it Josta? Yes. Again, and he then, was drinking in this episode too. <laughs> and, and then in this episode, uh, you know, he's, I think he mentions like the, the early 1990s or whenever jet skis first came out. So I feel like, you know, he does start to like gravitate towards this moment in time. You know, he's not just obsessed with time in the sense of, oh, he loves knights and he loves like futuristic space travel it's like he's kind of conf- <laughs> someone who has access to all of time he's kind of confined to like the 80s and 90s so i think there could be something there like maybe uh mobius was there in 1985 like maybe all these places that sylvie is going specific points like uh or maybe that was just one specific point in like mobius's life but who knows, maybe he was, you know, dressed up at the Renaissance Fair. Or, yeah, or maybe like, he uh, like, he died. Like, what if mm-hmm. his variant dies? Like, it's, he's supposed to die. Like, he, or his, his, his real life version of him. Like, what if he's a cop? What if he's, like, a cop? And he's got, like, a child on a jet ski. Like, they're out on a jet ski. Do you know what I mean? And his mm-hmm. variant version lives, but that's not what was supposed to happen. I, I, I could see it being, re- regardless of whether we're right about like the circumstances or something, I definitely think we're right here that there, there's going to be some big reveal with Mobius and like who he is and that kind of stuff. I just feel like the the combination of, of Josta and uh, uh, Jet Skis, and he specifically mentions the early 90s, I feel like that immediately creates a pattern of, okay, he's gravitating towards this timeline. There's something there. Right, right. I think you're right. Oh, I think you're completely right, brother. I think you were right on. Uh, well, I don't want to do this, but uh, I... and so, uh, oh my god, there's just so much to get through. Um, I I don't even know how to set this up. Like we've we've <laughs> our whole talk today has kind of just been talking about what now, but uh, 
do you, what do you have to, what do you got to add? I don't know. I don't know. This is an interesting, we're in an interesting spot here because I really have no idea like what the fuck is going to happen. I, I have no idea, like, I have no idea where they're going to go with the plot. I have no idea what to even, and I agree that I think we've done a cool, I like what we've done today and that we kind of, we, in a way, we've reversed time at ourselves and we've and worked backwards. You know, we're, kind of looking at where they're going and trying to guess and then thinking like well what what does that like what how how did we get there mm-hmm. you know how does that make sense um and i i i do think that we're like right on the money here like i think we're it just makes sense i think with a lot of the things that they're you know there's obviously going to be some sort of big greater truth that we thought we know is not the way that we know and there still really is like even though she's being set up as the villain now, I, again, she'll challenge what Loki thinks that he knows about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of an inter- interesting point to do that now because he's not, I mean, Loki's never from the beginning like bought into the idea that the TVA is, um, you know, doing this pure, you know, like they're they're saving everyone kind of thing. So I'm really curious, like, what is this new variant going to tell him? Like, mm-hmm. what opinion is it changing? And I, I think you're right on, too. And I think that's why he steps out of the, I think that's why he goes with her. Yeah, he just, he's not, he's not chasing her. He's not leaving Mobius. Like, he just wants answers. And I think he's like, okay, well, um, you know, Mobius and the TVA, like, there's only so much they're going to tell me, like, this is my new path to, to learn more. Why don't they just hire us? They, they should. Why don't they just freaking hire us? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think we're right on the money, brother. I think we're, I think we've, we're in, we're totally in the ballpark. Uh, I I can't wait to see what even because you know if they have been following that kind of three X structure for these six hour things. Well, the middle part is the like shit gets crazy and bad things happen. So <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see uh, where we go in the next in the next two weeks before it turns into like what will probably be the fucking crazy finale. Uh, I hope it's crazy. I hope they're traveling through time. Uh... Yeah, I, I had this thought the other day, like uh, another reason I think Ragnarok could be, uh, you know, maybe a big finale piece is honestly from like a budget standpoint, like time travel, I'm sure is great for Disney because like, oh, we already have all these sets, you know, like 3D yep. rendered and, and built yep. out like right. we already have footage of, you know, we can just recycle old footage. Yeah, thumbs up. Go do that. Completely agree. And then we also need to talk about at the very end. What where we see all the time variations being created after the bombs get de- detonated, because there's a lot of big old planets on that list. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see uh, Xandar, we see Sakar, we see uh, Titan, uh, uh, the Kree planet Hala is affected. I mean, it, it affects a lot of these bigger kind of cosmic locations that we know. Is it possible that yeah, it's funny you like mention all that now because. 
I'm thinking back to the episode one with the, the Miss Minutes like instructional video and it looks like there's a battle on Titan and we see like Kree soldiers. Is it possible that that video we already saw was foretelling events that are happening, you know, in the future since that episode, but is happening in this season? Like when she sets off all those reset charges, are we seeing what they already foretold in that instructional video? Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Time travel. <laughs> uh, this is where I need my dry race board and I can draw all these timelines and you know, <laughs> arrows going back over here. And then they, I, I think I you're was... right though. They've already shown the hand. They've shown the hand with, uh, you know, like jumping around the apocalypses and that kind of stuff. And that's how Loki's going to figure out, that he can like live past him quote dying in and whether they save Asgard, they change that or not, who knows? I mean, I could see that also happening too. And then, you know, kind of just doing a full reset, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it's something I'm maybe more so ex- interested in rather than just how this show is end. Uh, how it will end is where like what does this set up moving forward because yeah. in within the show you know we've had multiverse and madness like that language thrown out um you know is loki gonna like break things in the sense of he like resets things like there's a an extremely good chance that you know we aren't right about anything and that i i feel like this is something i'm I've been doing a lot lately is I get this idea, you know, this theory in my head. And if it's not that I'm still totally okay with it, but like, I'm just, I'm expecting it to happen. Right. I I kind of forget that like, Oh, it can go in a completely different way. And that's totally okay. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I'm just extremely curious how this will tie into other properties and, you know, the, the main MCU and like the main, 616 dimension like what ramifications will this entire season have not just within the season but like immediately following it completely agree completely agree i think that's that's the question everybody asks about these shows now that they're ending like well what's going to happen after you know or like where does this where will we what will be the point of this where will loki be after and then where will we be after? Like we is like the universe, like mm-hmm. the Marvel universe. Like what will where where will it be in time? Literally, where will will there be any new kind of changes that happen that from like from because of this? Do you know what I mean? Like could they go back and do something, and then something else is changed in the past? That you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of possibilities with mm-hmm. that too. So like could Loki go back to a? Could he create a nexus point? Uh, create a branch timeline and then go back and clip the main timeline. So that branch timeline just then becomes the main one. It's no longer a branch. It is the the stem, if you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I also think, too, this, we're getting our answer for how they're going to get Mjolnir back. How so? I think he's just going to grab it at one point in these, or he's going to do something with it. Would that Would that create a nexus point, though? Or are you saying like that? that would just like all be no it's like the apocalypse thing you know it's just you know they've kind of set up this idea that they can go back and do whatever but if you take something out of it at that point it can still exist that's like at least what i'm i'm and that's that's exactly what they did in endgame they're like 
oh, I'm going to take Mjolnir. I can use it for however long I want to in my timeline, as long as I return it to that exact moment in which I took it. Maybe. I I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, how they'll eventually get that back. And I'm also just trying to think of, like, like, I wonder if Hemsworth is going to show up in this show at all. What if, so, you know, the, we've seen it in the trailers, the scene where Loki goes back to the Battle of New York. What if he's, like, looking at the devastation and then in the ground is Mjolnir, like, perfectly preserved. So he's like, oh, my God, like, I killed Thor. I killed the Avengers. I killed, I killed all these people. But, like, Mjolnir's still alive. And that's the Mjolnir that he takes. He mm-hmm. takes it from that, you know, Avengers losing timeline. Mm-hmm. Or he becomes worthy himself. He becomes worthy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ooh, that would be that would be pretty sick to see. I'm a little weird because we've now had two moments in the MC. We've seen Vision and uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Will Mjolnir, which were, you know, awesome scenes. And I, you know, I'm okay with that still going on, but I just don't want it to be like every trick of like, oh my God, they lived in Mjolnir. It's like, okay, who's not worthy at this point? Can do <laughs> right, it. right, right, right. But Loki, I think Loki tracks lived- for me. I could see it being a greater kind of sign of Loki's like turn to goodness. Like, so for me, Loki is the, like kind of the last one other than Jane, obviously. But mm. you know, they that, they kind of alter that in the past now too. I mean, Thor is still the main Thor, but there's tons of people who have like quote the i mean beta ray bill you know there's there's other there's other characters that have that uh quote worthiness whatever that that means so i agree that i don't want it to be overused but there are some of them that i think that it fits and like loki and jane to me because to me for loki like it's just the bigger signal of like his father's approval and like you know him it shows he's being good like truly like it's like that that's one of the reasons why it works in that vision scene so well and what it even does the characters in age of ultron and it's just immediately lets them know that they're good Ooh, i i just thought of this so we know that magic doesn't exist in the the tva or it kind of loses all of its power what if ravana or whoever has uh mjolnir like sitting in their office and like yes. anyone can wield it yes. because yes the, there the you enchantment's go. gone yes so maybe you, loki, you know in the the same scene in ragnarok where loki you know, walks by the Tesseract and we see him go like, oh, you know, it could be the exact same thing. Like he sneaks into Ravana's office, he's walking by and oh, just beautifully displayed up on the shelf is, uh, you know, perfectly preserved Mjolnir from a branch timeline that was destroyed. And Loki, he doesn't even have to be worthy. He can just walk over and like pick it up. There you go. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. And then when he brings it back to the present, he can give it to Thor and Thor's like, what the fuck? And then he also thinks that he's dead and Loki's like, can't explain mm-hmm. sorry the, yeah like what if he walks up to to loki and he's like how how do i know you're you're you know who you say you are or how do i know you're good blah blah and he blah gives him the, he and gives then him he the you know loki like does the enchantment and you know he so you know he's been holding mjolnir the whole time yes amazing 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 and then but he doesn't want it he's just like here you go he's like i don't need it I don't yeah need it. because like, or he's like don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell anybody I can pick it up. Because, I mean, we, the audience, know that, you know, Thor Love and Thunder is coming up. There's going to be, uh, you know, Lady Thor. So Mjolnir needs to find a way in that. But, you know, this Loki doesn't know that. So there has to be some reason why he would take Mjolnir. Yeah. Ugh. So so many things you could do with him. Brother, I think we've nailed it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. 
You guys don't have to watch the rest of the show. I just <laughs> You're welcome. I You're welcome. I just I just know the the very last scene is going to be Mobius just riding a a jet ski and I I can't wait. I can't wait till I know. But I really hope when he gets a good a good I hope, I hope, I hope he's it's one of those like the lead of the TVA moving forward. I I hope he is like however they get out of this that he is not out of the Marvel universe forever. Oh, I still want him to be around. Like I could see him maybe being like an independent TVA thing. Like, you know, he knows all of his rules and he has access to the technology, but he's no longer beholden to like the timekeepers and their rules. Like he's just going around and like, you know, not even fixing things, just like making sure things stay intact. Chasing the, chasing the bigger, uh, the bigger, the bigger pussy cats. Like yeah. He, like he's you know, just going to the big ones. Yeah, make him like a superhero in the way. Like you'll never see me, but I'm always there. Like time cop. Yep. I really hope the jet ski that they ride is like one of those like two person jet skis, and you know they're going down the water, and Loki's like got his arms wrapped around Mobius. And... <laughs> BFM maybe, riding off in the summer. Maybe okay. What if they're riding the jet ski in Asgard? Like they're just going underneath the Bifrost Bridge, like like what if yes. they, you know, we go back? It's at the events of Ragnarok, and Thor just looks down and he sees some strange man and Loki riding this strange <laughs> device across the waters <laughs> across Asgard. <laughs> real Loki just real like hot girl summer shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's in like you know green and gold swimming trunks, and he just you know waves up at Thor on the Bifrost. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ah, uh, well, cannot wait. Wednesdays can't get here f- soon enough. I know. I know. It just it's like, it literally is the thing that gets me through the week because X Men comics come out on Wednesday and now they've moved Loki to Wednesday. So I'm like, Marvel Wednesdays, baby. <laughs> I'm not a morning person. I wake up and I'm like super groggy. But I got to be honest, like Monday morning when I wake up, it's like Christmas every day. Like. I, as soon as I kind of gain consciousness, I'm just like, oh, it's Loki day. <laughs> exactly. I got to run downstairs and, you know, get everything set up. And I can't wait to have my mind blown as I'm like pouring <laughs> coffee. Uh, well, Peyton Conley, I think we are right on the money on a lot of this. Thank you for, uh, for sharing your thoughts and, uh, I, I can't wait to see how right or wrong we are next week. My brother, oh my God, we're going to be going back in time and replaying this and um, basking in our revelry. You and I will be riding a jet ski under the Bifrost with how correct we are in these things <laughs> coming up. Marvel, what now, baby? We know what's coming up. We're giving to you the, we're giving into you, we're giving you the plot points, but most importantly, we're giving you good, cathartic, cinematic moments of character development that also call back to the past. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that that should be our new like uh, what now catchphrase. Oh, there you go. Okay, there you go. Make cut this one, and that that's the cut this one and print it, baby. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Pink Conley, pleasure as always. Curtis, the pleasure is all mine, sir. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, we appreciate it so much. Be sure to like and subscribe if you can. Comment. Give us any sort of suggestions. Maybe you want us to change some stuff up or change how we kind of talk about this kind of stuff and how we kind of just 
tackle it. Uh, but again, we thank you so much, and you are the best. Go follow Marvel What Now on Instagram. Yeah, be sure to give us a follow. I think uh, something I would like to start introducing is maybe taking some of your guys' questions or, you know, just kind of like talking points and bring it up on the next episode. So, yeah, be sure to follow us on social media at uh, Marvel What Now. And, yeah, we'd love to hear some of your thoughts as well. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to Marvel What Now podcast. This is Kurt. For more theories and custom artwork, you can follow on social media at Marvel What Now. And I am Peyton, and for more pictures of me shirtless and just general buffoonery, you can find me on Instagram at P for the number Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N. Be sure to like and subscribe at the bottom, and we will see you when we see you, because we owe you nothing.